This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning, everyone. Um, let me turn this off. Yes, I'm pleased to welcome back to Jikoji um, Mado Barbara Anderson, who is the uh, resident guiding teacher at ON Zendo in Pennsylvania. Um, Mado began practicing meditation in 1967 and uh, began her formal study and practice of Zen with Thich Nhat Hanh um, and received the five precepts from him in 1994. In uh, 2010, she received the 10 grave Buddhist precepts from her guiding teacher, Shoho Michael Newhall, who, as you all probably know, is a resident teacher here at Jikoji. And she was ordained as a priest in 2011 and in 2019, was transmitted as a Dharma heir in the lineage of Jikoji founder Kobenchino Roshi by Shoho Michael Newhall again. So um, with that introduction, well, we're happy to welcome back to Jikoji all the way from Pennsylvania, Mado Barbara Anderson. Welcome, Mado. It's wonderful to be here with you. Um, you all seem so close right here, but you're so far away. Um, before we begin, can I have a sense of who's here, who I will be talking to? So I recognize some faces, but some faces I do not. So can you please say hello to me and tell me, tell me who you are? I'll go ahead. Hi, Barbara. Good to see you again. Uh, you know me from Jikoji from years ago. And, yes. And Peter. And I'm uh, joining you from my porch in Santa Cruz. And uh, appreciated meeting you here various times during uh, our uh, virtual uh, practice this past year. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Yeah, really nice to see you again, Peter. And say hello to Marie for me. Okay, I will. Uh, she's she's nearby. She was sitting with us earlier today, but. Okay, great. So, who's at Jakoji? Who's who do I see sitting? Jen. Jen. Hi, Jen. And Hogan. Hogan, hi. I miss you guys. Miss you. Miss you too. Yeah. And Charles? Hello, Barbara. I've, I've seen your talks before. I don't think we've met personally. Okay, now virtually. Yes. Nice to meet you. Good to see you again. And Bob? My name is Bob Nyoswi Sedevi. Uh, I'm a member of the Santa Barbara Sangha, and I've seen you on other talks at Jacoji. So thank you for coming back again. Yeah, thank you for showing up. Thank you. Uh, Chris. Yes, my name's Chris, and I'm in San Francisco, and uh, a member of the Sangha here. 
and it's nice to see you. Good, good to meet you. And Shinshin, Shishin. Shishin. Uh, yeah, you got it. Um, ben is fine. Uh, I've seen you quite a few times. I'm a regular attendee at Jukoji, and I also uh, joined Chris in San Francisco. Okay, good, wonderful. Thanks for coming. Nico, I know you. <laughs> How are you? I am well, thank you. Good, thanks for helping out today. It's my Being pleasure. So understanding. Thank you for being um, here. Good. And who's Susan? Hi, this is Susan and Daryl in San Francisco. We are members of Zen K Sangha. Okay. Learn to let go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't see your faces, but um, I know you're there. So, hello. Looks like we may have frozen on Mado. Yes. Oh, it looks like we may have also. No, we still have Jacoji. Hmm. I'm still here. You're still. Yes, everybody is still here. I think Mado will be back. Or not. Yes, we were having technical problems earlier today, and there was some question as to whether Ada would be able to join us, um, but um, she was with us most of the morning. I think she'll be back. I have high hopes. While we're waiting for uh, Mado to, to come back, uh, maybe one of you from Jacoji uh, could give us an update on how things are going there and uh, how recent uh, uh, changes in, you know, in uh, social distancing and uh, various tiers in California, how, how that speaks towards Jacoji accepting guests once again in person. Jenner Hogan, um, yeah. thanks for that question, Peter. Um, yeah, we're feeling we're feeling like it's getting pretty close to time we'll, when we will invite people to come back. Uh, I think that the first phase will involve asking folks, only folks that have been fully vaccinated, to uh, to, to come visit Jacoji. So we're working out a process for that, um, and I think that isn't too far off. Um, I'd like to see our this, our county and the surrounding counties get out of the uh, 
um, the current risk level and de-escalate to an even lower risk level. Uh, but I think we're getting pretty close and we sure do miss having people up here and uh, looking forward to reconnecting with all of you. Are, are Michael and Doug still around? I haven't seen them in recent uh, virtual Jacoji meetings. Um, uh, Michael has been visiting the Midwest, uh, Colorado and Milwaukee. Uh, so he's still on the road. And Doug is on the road vacationing with his, um, I guess you like his stepdaughter, um, Aubrey. The two of them are doing a national park tour. So he's been on the road for a week or so. And we'll be back in another couple of weeks. I guess I have a few other updates and while we're waiting for Mado, uh, Santa Cruz Zen Center is starting to uh, uh, sit uh, outside and behind the Zendo. Uh, uh, limited number of people, uh, socially distanced uh, and uh, trying to do some hybrid events uh, where to be both virtual, in fact, it, it is both uh, uh, virtual and in, in person behind the Santa Cruz Zen Center. And uh, maybe you have more recent word, Nico, about Angie. If you do, because uh, it's been about a month since I connected with her, do you have something more recent regarding Angie's status? Um, nothing more recent. Uh, last I heard, Angie is um, well and um, enjoying her uh, somewhat active retirement and um, is is fine. Um, but I see we have Mado back, so let's resume our program. <laughs> Welcome back, Mado. Thank you. You're you're muted. Uh, this has been happening all day. Um, we had our OAN service this morning and right in the middle, uh, my internet went. So I'm blessed with living in a very remote area of central Pennsylvania uh, in the woods. Um, and one of the blessings of being in the woods is uh, being so remote and being in such a beautiful setting. But the downside is what just happened. So please, my apologies uh, for, for what goes on in, in, in a way I have no control over. But let's get to our talk uh, this morning or this afternoon here in Pennsylvania. Um, I want to focus on the heart today. And not in perhaps uh, the typical way in which we talk about compassion um, and the way the heart expresses its interconnectedness with all beings. But I want to talk about the heart breaking and the pain that we often experience uh, in this heart center. Carl Jung said that there is no coming to consciousness without pain. That's a, a very um, profound statement. 
because we can interpret that as pleasure being a, a, a state uh, in which we're, we tend to fall asleep. It's kind of a trance, but pain wakes us up. So when you have any kind of pain, there's nothing more effective than pain to keep us present, to keep our attention focused. And so in some sense, our awakening has something intimately to do with pain. Now, Buddha talks about a number of kinds of pain and the first pain he talks about is dukkha dukkha, which is the pain of pain. And if we were to apply this to the heart, we could speak in a very ordinary sense about some sort of injury, some sort of wound, some sort of illness or disease, which creates pain in the heart, in the literal heart. In fact, I know a, a friend of mine had open heart surgery and he said that that was one of the most painful experiences, both physically and emotionally, to have his chest opened up, cut into, and then to have his heart manipulated. He said that he had never felt so vulnerable, so dependent, so open, literally, as he did in that physical situation. But then there is the pain that I want to talk more about today, which is uh, viparanana pain. Parinana dukkha, which is the pain of change. And typically it's the pain of change from pleasure to pain. That's the change that is painful. So this is a change that affects the heart deeply emotionally, internally, we can't, we can't touch it physically. It's the pain that arises perhaps unexpectedly where everything is comfortable and life is good. And then something changes and our pleasure and our comfort changes to dukkha, pain. It's like the grief that doesn't heal so quickly. It's a wrong that someone has perpetrated that can't be righted. It's a memory that can't be erased. Hurtful words that can't be retracted. 
and maybe a betrayal that can't be reversed. This is, this is what happens to the heart when it is wounded, when it suddenly, perhaps unexpectedly, experiences heartbreak. We have had many, many heartbreaking events over this past year. And perhaps you've heard things like, well, it's always been like this. That's the human condition. Things are always changing. People are always suffering. It's the first noble truth. So this is nothing new. As if that's supposed to be comforting. It's supposed to kind of relieve that pain that we're feeling. But that kind of generalization, oh, you know, it's the first first noble truth, expect it. It's always, always been, this year isn't really any different than any other year in human history. But it is different because it is this grandmother who has died. It is this home that has been destroyed by fire. It is this man who has been tortured, this black man, this black man. It is this child's suicide. It is these exact hurtful words that have never ever been spoken before under exactly these circumstances. It is this this friend's betrayal, not the generalized betrayal that we all experience. It's this one. And in my own case, it's this brother's addiction, not somebody else's brother or not the brother that has always existed in this world. It's my brother, it's this brother. It's this pain and it's this heart that has been broken. And it's happened a lot over the course of this year. Lots of breaks, very specific ones. Almost to the point where there's been a kind of new, a new phrase coined, we speak about post-traumatic stress. There's there's a kind of pre-traumatic stress that many of us have been experiencing. That is the anticipation, the stress that comes with one pain after another one break, one heartbreaking situation after another. So the stress of anticipation 
is a kind of pre-trauma. And so if you look um, at podcasts or uh, newspapers or uh, advice from therapists and uh, friends, and there's a lot of advice out there as to how to heal, how to heal, how to fix a broken heart. Whether there may be very, a lot of very small breaks or one huge crack, like an earthquake um, that the heart has just split open or some permutation or combination of those. So advice from people. Exercise, you know, run, start running. Of course, that's a kind of metaphor for almost every uh, piece of advice that we get is just run, <laughs> run away. Right. Develop a hobby. Read a lot of self-help books. I even saw one piece of advice that said, listen to soothing whale sounds. Apparently whales have these very soothing sounds that they make and they will, they will heal, heal the pain. So you can clean a lot, you can sleep a lot, and you can remind yourself, as my mother always used to say to me, this too will pass. That was my mother's favorite line. This, this too will pass. And keep remembering that. But if you keep remembering that, it won't pass because you will continually be reminding yourself, don't remember this, okay? These are all strategies for hiding. They are a kind of um, accession, surrender to what we call the three poisons. You can obsess about your broken heart. You can attach to it so strongly that you are just constantly going over and over, you know, that treadmill, that samsaric treadmill of, I can't forget this. I can't forget these words. I can't forget that she forgot my birthday. You know, this, this hurt me, this really hurt me. That's that attachment, that clinging, or aversion, repress it, <laughs> you know, just uh, do something else, distract, distract. And there's a lot of distraction out there. Or deny, shut down. You know, lots of ways to do that too. Yes. Ignorance, denial, just don't even think about it. 
Our practice, I think, meets the pain of a broken heart a little differently. I'm going to use a metaphor, and Nicole, you can help me out here. Um, there is a Japanese practice called Kintsugi. Some of you may have heard of it. It all started in the 15th century when a Japanese shogun had a beautiful tea bowl and he broke it. And it was such a precious bowl that he decided to send it to China to have it repaired. Well, when it came back, he was very unhappy with the way they repaired that bowl. Nicole, can you show that first, that first image? And this is what, what it might have looked like. Okay, so you see that's a pretty uh, primitive um, repair. It actually was repaired with staples. Um, and the shogun uh, felt that that kind of repair did not respect the nature of the bowl, the preciousness of it and the um, integrity of, of the bowl. It was too mechanical, you might say. It was just putting the pieces together, tying them up, stapling the crack and be done with it. So instead, he took the bowl and found some fine craftsmen in Japan who he instructed to repair the bowl in a much more artistic and finer way. So can we see the next slide? I don't even know, it's a slide, it's just an image. There we go. This is kintsugi. This is a way of repairing something that's broken, something precious, with a kind of lacquer that is mixed with gold dust. And so the bowl becomes something new and something different and something you could say far more beautiful than the original. So in Kintsugi, there is no effort and no intention to hide the cracks. In fact, the cracks become of great value. And what happens is that the cracks are integrated into the history of the bowl. It's a not like stapling, 
which if we're um, referring to the, uh, the, the underlying condition that the metaphor is pointing to, stapling is like when people say to you, get yourself together. <laughs> Just, you know, get off of it. Just pull yourself together. As if all you need to do is to, you know, just mechanically staple your parts together and you're fine. Or just push through. Just harden your heart and push through it. Become, become so impregnable, so, so hard-hearted that you will never be subject to cracking again. And we can do that. We can become what I sometimes call stone Buddhas. And for sure, if we get hit, we're not going to feel it. But we are flesh and blood Buddhas. And we ache <laughs> and we break. And we cherish the breaks in a way as the heart's credentials. You know, we have, um, we have our um, resumes, our curriculum vitae, with all our credentials of our ach achievements and accomplishments and all of our perfections and everything we've achieved. But this is the heart's credentials. This is the history of the heart right here, all the broken places. So we don't, you know, very often we hear also, um, well, you have a broken heart, but um, there's a lesson here. There's a lesson. And I'm inviting us to um, set that piece of advice aside. There really is no lesson here. Le lessons are intellectual, they're conceptual. What happens here is that something changes. We're different. It's not that we've learned some kind of conceptual lesson. It's that we're put together in a different way now. We're a different being. And some, of course, will say, um, I think it was Hemingway that said, you know, we're all broken by life, but we're stronger in the broken places. Well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I think those are vulnerable places. And this idea, you know, somehow we have to be strong. That's kind of antithetical to our practice, I think. Could say by looking at this bowl, it's not that it's stronger, it's just more beautiful. Its heart has been broken in many places and it's been repaired with the gold 
of wisdom and compassion. And in order to create this kind of repair, the craftsman or woman would have to sit with those breaks for a while and study, study how to put it together again. It's not this uh, quick, easy fix. <laughs> you know, pull yourself together, just get it together and push through and grit your teeth and gird your loins and go for it, be strong. No, I suspect that that craftsperson would be sitting with those pieces and studying how they should be put together again. And just, just what design, what pattern and where the gold should go. So it's a, it, that kind of repair is driven both by wisdom, skill, how to do this, and also compassion. That is the care for that bull, for that bull, that grief, that betrayal, that death, that pain, like none other. So our practice, when we say, you know, sit with it, it's a much richer experience than just facing the wall, <laughs> just facing the pain. It's being with it in this restorative, compassionate and skillful way, a beautiful way. So our suffering, our pain is integral to our human history, to, the, to our awakening. In fact, there is a disorder called alexithmia, which is the inability to describe or identify suffering, pain within yourself or within someone else. So the inability to suffer, to feel pain is inhuman. There's something pathological about it. It's not, it's, it's not healthy. <laughs> And this is epitomized. Okay, you can take, take that off. So this connection between pain, suffering, and our humanity and our, our awakening can be found also in the Christian tradition. And I just happened to read a piece in the New York Times, which posed the question, 
why in Christ's resurrection, his resurrected body, does he still bear the marks of the nails in his hands and his heart, his chest? That was a question that this article was addressing. It's fascinating because you would think that this glorified body, this resurrected body, this divine body would be perfect, would have completely healed from those wounds. But no, that was part of the history of God's love for man. It's part of the history of man being, becoming awakened, fully divine, fully, however, you know, completely realized as possible. So you bear the marks. And in fact, I, I, I understand that, I mean, I'm not a Bible scholar by any means, but um, I understand from the article that he, that Christ actually uh, displayed these marks twice in the Bible. He did not want his disciples to forget that he, that this was his history and these marks were an integral part of who he was. So <laughs> kind of even in eternity, we, we have the marks of, of Christ, the wounds of Christ for all in eternity. So before I invite you to join in, I discovered, you know, it's, it's wonderful um, giving Dharma talks. And I highly advise you, each of you, to prepare a Dharma talk to offer. I learned so much from having to, um, to offer a talk and so many new um, insights and new paths to explore open up when I, when I set out to offer a talk. And just the other day, I, on somebody's um, email, I discovered this other image and we can put that one up, which continues to affirm the preciousness of the cracks, of the, the breaks in our lives. So this piece of art was created by a woodworker named Nick Robson. He doesn't particularly give it a title. I'm calling it a ball of knots. And in his little description, he says that as a woodworker, he never threw away any knot that he came across in his work. He saved them all. And then he created this 
extraordinary piece of art in much the same way that the Japanese craftspeople create kintsugi. And these knots, you could say, are the visual representation of the struggle of a tree to survive. These knots represent the life of a tree in its suffering. And how beautiful, how beautiful that has become. And actually right now, right this very moment, it reminds me of Indra's web because they're all facets of the, the same pain, the same, not same in an identical way, but a shared pain, an interconnected pain that all of us are part of, are privileged and blessed to be part of. So don't waste your pain. <laughs> don't waste your knots, don't waste your cracks. Um, repair with gold, repair with gold. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jokoji, please visit us on the web at jokoji.org.